if you would find um, a couple of spots. Uh, they're really close together, though. Uh, Ezra 6 is going to be one of the texts, and then flip over to the next book, Nehemiah 8. And it's going to sound familiar if you were attentive last week. Joey actually read these verses, and they had actually been on my heart um, before he even read them. Uh, and I kind of thought that's where I was going to be this morning as it falls in line with worship. And I actually preached this as my last sermon in Korea uh, to the church there, kind of as a charge to the church just to remain faithful to the Word um, and so we're going to do that, um, kind of the same thing this morning. Um, so whenever you find Nehemiah 8, uh, if you get to Job, you've went too far. And Psalms, it's before all that. Uh, right after your first and second Samuel Chronicles, all of those. All right, once you find it, if you'll please stand. Remember, this is the Word of God. Uh, Nehemiah 8 and 1 says, And all the people gathered as one man at the square, which was in front of the water gate, and they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen and understand, with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and women who could or those who could understand, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood these 13 men. Uh, if you'll skip on down to uh, verse 5, it says, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then these men uh, stood uh, or stayed, and at the end of verse 7 you see they explained the law to the people while the people remained in their place. So these men had went out to, to explain it to them. They read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. Verse 9 says, Then Nehemiah, who was the governor of Ezra, uh, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him uh, who has nothing prepared, for the day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. 
all the people went away to eat, to drink, and to send portions and to celebrate a great festival, because they understood the words which had been made known to them. Then on the second day, the heads of the fathers, households of all the people, the priests and the Levites, were gathered to Ezra and the scribe that they might gain insight into the words of the law. Go ahead and be making your way to Ezra 6. Again. I'm going to try and explain a little bit. I know we've been, well, we were in uh, Romans for a while. Uh, and so sometimes we get, or I get stuck in that kind of mindset of what Romans is like. So I'm going to try and explain a little bit of the context, the time period that we're in here. Um, you know, Ezra, actually, Ezra and Nehemiah, they think it was probably just one book, scroll, for our context, we would say book, but uh, it was really just one scroll, and then we ended up breaking it up into two different uh, books. But um, Ezra, as we read, was a scribe, and um, actually come from the lineage of Aaron the priest, and so we're going to see that as well. But uh, during this time, um, you know, we don't have the Romans ruling the world at this point. You know, like in Romans, pretty much who conquered the world at that point. But uh, during this time, we have uh, the Persians and the Babylonians that are the main rulers, I guess you could say, of the world. And this is about 400 B.C., maybe a little bit before into the 500s. But um, part of the time frame that's going on here is you have the Peloponnesian War with the, the Spartans and the Greek, all that type of stuff is also going on during this time. So if you think about that, you have all these Greek philosophers that's going on. So you know you got a lot of really smart guys uh, that are coming up with all of these great philosophies uh, that's going on, uh, that people are listening to. You know, so you got to kind of think about it in our time. You know, we've got a lot of these people that make you feel real good about yourself and a lot of people want to hear that type of stuff. So they still had the philosophers that they were listening to that was really finding the meaning of life that everybody, you know, was trying to get to and hear speak at all this time. So, you know, they still had the issues of people that weren't proclaiming God's word that was kind of humanistic in their day. Um, so that's going on. Uh, you know, this is the time of Plato, Socrates, Euripides, all those type people. Um, Artaxerxes and Darius is the ones that's conquered. You know, that those are the two main kings at this time. And so if you look in um, chapter 6 of Ezra, we're going to read just a few verses there and then jump to, to ver uh, chapter 7 as well. Uh, but Ezra 6, 1 says, The king Darius issued a decree... And search was made uh, in the archives where the treasures were stored in Babylon. And Ecbatana in the fortress, uh, which is in the providence of Media, a scroll was found, and there was written in it as follows. Memorandum. In the first year of King Cyrus, Cyrus the king issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the temple 
the place where sacrifices are offered be rebuilt and let its foundations be retained, its height being 60 cubits and its width 60 cubits, with three layers of huge stones and one layer of timbers, and let the cost be paid uh, from the royal treasury, and also let the gold and the silver utensils of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, be returned and brought to their places in the temple in Jerusalem, and you shall put them in the house of God. So this is kind of the first wave of the people, or one of the waves of the people coming back to Jerusalem. You know, they came back kind of under three different waves of kind of under the leadership of Ezra, Nehemiah, uh, and another guy kind of led them back over time. So this was Cyrus. So between chapter 6 and chapter 7, there's about 60 years that takes place. And this, in between that time, is your book of the events of the book of Esther that happens. So, you know, we got this whole thing of going back to Jerusalem. The, you know, the people's been in exile and we're moving back into uh, the time frame of when we're going back to, to Jerusalem. So if you look in verse 1 of chapter 7, it says, Now after these things, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, they went up, there went up Ezra, son of Zerah, and then if you skip on down through those, in verse 5, we have son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the chief priest. So Ezra's lineage there. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses, uh, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all he requested, because the hand of the Lord, of the Lord his God was upon him. Some of the sons of Israel and some of the priests, the Levites, the singers and the gatekeepers and the temple servants went up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. He came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, uh, which was in the seventh year of the king. For on the first of the first month, he began to go up from Babylon. And on the first of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem because the good hand of his God was upon him. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. And this is the, the pattern. You know, we don't look at, uh, we try and stay away from patterns and, you know, programs and all that type stuff a lot. But this is the pattern of a preacher or a teacher. They are to purpose it in their heart to study the law of the Lord, then to practice it, and then to teach it to the people. Uh, I had a guy uh, call me up one day and said, hey, I think, um, I, think I might be uh, called to preach. I said, well, that, that's great. You know, if that's the case, I said, uh, why, why do you think that? And he said, well, I just feel like I need to and all this type of stuff. And I said, so um, I'll just tell you what everybody told me, and then I'm going to give you my advice. You know, everybody told me if you can get away from it, get away from it, forget about it, and don't think about it. I thought that was stupid, but it was one of those things that it was true. Like, and I couldn't get it off my mind and that type of stuff. But I said, my thing is, are you so in love with the Word of God that you want to tell it to the, your people? You have such a love for the word, and then you have such a love for the people that you want to proclaim it to them. 
That's where it really needs to be. It's not, can you get it off your mind? I didn't feel like that was the best advice, but is that where your heart's at? Now, that should be, and I'll show you this here in a minute, that should be the heart of especially every father in here, is to have a love for the Word and to love his family enough to teach it and preach it to his family. That, that's number one. That's got to happen in a household that is a follower of Jesus Christ. And then if it goes farther to where you're in love with the Word and God's calling you to proclaim it to the people of God, then that's the next step. You know. um, so there, are kind of, there is kind of a progression, I guess you could say. And it starts here. You, know, you purpose it in your heart to study the law. And then you also have to practice it before you get up and teach and preach. And that's, you know, I would say every preacher that stands up here says, we don't do a good job of it. You know, of studying it, yeah, we can put in the time to study it and understand it. But then to go and practice it, we're sinful people. You know, it's tough to, to practice it and follow it 100% and that type of stuff. And that's really the, the battle that goes on. Uh, I know with your pastor and especially... You know, I can definitely say for myself is, you know, we really don't feel like we're the right people to stand up here and do this because we can't follow this completely. And so it is tough. And I t it reminds me every time I'm preaching or teaching a lot that I, I have to tell Joey, I don't pray for you enough because it, it's a struggle. But here, and that's the reason why I think it says that Ezra purposed it in his heart. It wasn't one of these things, well, I just got a feeling like I'm going to go do this because I guarantee if it's not ingrained in you, if it's not dealing on your soul and your heart, you won't keep doing it because it's tough. You've got a lot of adversaries out there that's trying to, and even in the, in the house, in the home, you know, there's an adversary out there that's going to try and keep you from teaching your kids the statutes and the principles in the Word of God. And so we just got to purpose it in the heart to continue to do that. So that's where we're at here. That's kind of the, we're coming back to Jerusalem. Ezra the scribe, he's probably actually Artaxerxes' scribe of like religious papers. So anything that's going on in the religion in the time of Artaxerxes, Ezra's probably the scribe that's writing out these decrees or whatever it is and sending them out. And so he's pretty high up, I guess you could say, uh, but this is the type of person that's going to say, hey, I need to go back to my people i got to leave this really good job he probably had and say, I've got to lead our people back to the promised land and in the Word of God. And so that's what we're going to see in Ezra, or I'm sorry, in Nehemiah 8. That's the Ezra we're talking about here. So if you go ahead and turn uh, to Nehemiah 8, we're actually going to focus on those, those verses. So Nehemiah 8, 1. It says, and all the people gathered as one man at the square, which is in front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Uh, man, Tyler was kind of talking about this. I don't know why they went from scribe, scroll, to book, because this wouldn't have been a book, but he would have pulled out a scroll and would have read from it. Um, but notice that all the people gathered as one as well. It was community. There was unity with these people. 
And so this Jewish community uh, probably had continued in the worship of their God or of God uh, and probably continued on in the practices while they were still in exile. Uh, because if you look on down into, uh, let's see here, um, where it talks about, you know, that there was the, um, the scribes, the priests, the, the gatekeeper, all these. so they still had all of these offices, kind of, or at least these people uh, in the community. So they probably continued, uh, the priests and the Levites, even singers, uh, temple servants, all that stuff is kind of still maintained while in Babylon, or while in exile. And so um, we know that there was probably some studying of the law during this time. So Ezra, obviously, studied the Torah and learned about it and knew it. Uh, so I don't want you to think they just came back and all of a sudden, boom, church started happening and, or the synagogues and temple and all that type of stuff started happening. They still held to these things as much as possible in the, in the exile. Uh, so Ezra would have had probably all of the Torah that he was studying. Uh, it's a little bit up for debate, and they probably had some of the uh, prophets uh, that they could read. Uh, but we know at least they ha he had the Torah, and so he set his heart on studying and knowing the law of God. Okay, and so um, during this time, you know, we normally before the exile we had the the priests; those were the people that were, you know, guarding the law, basically the ones that brought the law to the people, and the Levites taught it. But n during this time, we kind of see a shift that goes to where the scribes were the ones because the scribes were the ones writing it and keeping it, you know, making sure that people had it. So they were the ones writing it, uh, making sure that they uh, kept to it and making sure that everybody, or not everybody, but uh, the people had the copy of it. So we kind of see this transition from priests going to the scribes of keeping the law, keeping it up to, you know, not up to date, but keeping it uh, ready for the people, okay? And so that's what we see here. And we've seen that already before in the lineage that Ezra not only is a scribe by trade, but he is also in the lineage of Aaron, the priest. Okay? So we see in 8.2, then Ezra, the priest. So we got Ezra, the scribe, one that's kind of been keeping up with the law, keeping it written out, making sure they had a copy of it. Now he takes on the role of priest. Uh, he brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Notice that it was all men and women and all who was understandable. So anybody that could understand what was being read was the intended audience. You know, and we, well, I think we do a good job of you know, trying to include family and everything, and especially in here we love having the kids in here and, you know, because they should be sitting under the law, under the Word of God as well. And so it included everybody from all ages. And notice, um, we'll see here, that these people, last time I preached I talked about they were a people that feared God, but the Jews were a people that were a people of the book or the people of the law. Okay, 
And I think that's exactly how worship and the people of Christ should be even today. Uh, if you look at the end of Acts, there's another title for the people, and it was the people of the way. You don't really see that a whole lot throughout Scripture. I think it's only found at the, in Acts, but they said that they were the people of the way. John says that Jesus was the Word of God. So even in a sense today, we should be people of the Word, one being the Word of God and Christ. Okay? So that's what Ezra is bringing them back to is bringing them to the Word of God, the law, because they needed to know it. And in that, in the worship service, you'll see that the Word of God is what brought about the emotions in their worship. Okay, It wasn't the instruments or the beautiful singing. It's the Word of God that brings about true worship, and repentance. So if you look in uh, verse 3, it says, um, He read from it before the square, uh, which was in front of the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and women, those who could understand, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So this right here is a straight up, you're not going to invite your friends to this type of service. They're going to grow bored out of their mind because they're not there to hear the Word of God. They're not there to listen to the law of God. That's the reason why church, even today, is for the believers. It is for those that hunger to worship God Almighty. And a lost person is not going to come in here wanting that. Definitely not going to stay from early morning to midday doing that. They're going to be lost as a goose the whole time. But these people stood there. Not only did they stand there, but they were attentive. They had a hunger for the Word of God. And that's kind of what I think about uh, when it says that he reads in it. You know, he pulls out the scroll and probably reads certain portions of it and then explains it. And then he goes on and reads certain portions of it and then he probably explains it. But this went on for about six hours. Um, but the people listened attentively. And I kind of think of it whenever they, they say, it's kind of like at the, um, at the end of a close ball game. The crowd is not just sitting there clapping. They're standing. They're anticipating what's about to happen next. And that's what these people did. And I want not only for us to be like that as uh, a people in our own quiet time, just waking up ready. You know, I would love it. I loved it whenever I actually went into my to job and uh, I'd done my Bible study there because there was no distractions, nobody was there yet. But when the first bell rang, I was always like, oh, no, I just want to just a little bit more, a little bit more. And that was always a great time to be, you know, with God. But then I also hated it because I had to stop. And not only do I want that for you in your own individual time with God, but I want it here as well. We should be so eager to hear the Word of God proclaimed and taught that we're just sitting there just anxious, ready to hear, just almost wanting to stand up just to anticipate what God has to say to us. Not what Joey has to say, not what I've got to say, but it's a word from God. You're not going to stand from early morning to midday to hear anything I've got to say. 
But it's, this is God Almighty, the one that with his own words created the heavens and the earth. And these are his words to us. Now, I know this is a little bit of a different situation where the people are coming back probably for the first time in a huge setting like this, that they're actually getting to be together and, and to hear the word or the law proclaimed. But even today, we should still have that type of desire and that type of eagerness to hear God. You know, if we were to take these pews out of here, you know, how many people are still going to come in here and stand and just wanting to get a good feast going on from the Word of God. Our hearts have got to be in the right place for that. Even if it goes six minutes past 12. These guys were going six hours. And in a little bit, we'll see that they even went a little bit longer the next day. But just one, as Joey's been in this worship series here, kind of, it's got to be, and Joey's already mentioned this, he read this verse last week. It's got to be centered around the Word. And it's got to be our hearts have got to be desiring it and wanting it and wanting to feed off of the Word of God. So we got to get to be a people of the book. Not, you know, like I said, last time I preached, we were to be a people that feared God, but also we need to be a people that fears God and are people of the book. Verse 4, Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium uh, which they made uh, or which they had made for the purpose. So probably got this out of Babylon, actually. This was probably something that they brought back from uh, being in captivity. But, you know, that's our modern-day pulpit. This is kind of the prototype for that. Uh, why do people come up here and stand? Well, one is I think it was to have the scroll right laid out and made it easier to read from and to keep up with it. So... Um, a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of uh, people talking about a podium and how uh, some preachers like having it. You know, in this new age we kind of see now where somebody's just got a stool and, you know, they're up there walking around talking the whole time. But uh, I heard one guy say, you know, I like having a podium. That way I can go set the Word of God on it. And if I was to fall out dead, somebody could come up and still take up the Word of God and, and continue reading from it. Because this is the focus around it. It's not the man standing up here. Uh, Ezra, I guarantee, would be like, look, this is not about me. Look, this is the Word of God. This is the law of God. And so focusing uh, on the Word of God and having it the main, uh, absolutely the only source of authority uh, in not only in our, in our worship, but also in the practice of our faith, okay, which goes outside of these walls into our everyday life. Um, so that's a little... Side note there on the podium, but it was apparently important that Ezra here records it in Nehemiah. So uh, whenever somebody says, well, I don't think we ought to have a podium in church. Well, Ezra used one, so might as well use it. It worked out good for him. Um, verse 5, and we got this list of guys. Uh, I think there's like six on his right hand, seven on his left hand. Uh, and then in verse 5, it says, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. Uh, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. That's what I'm talking about. They, they were attentive. They were standing. When the Word of God was open, they were waiting, hungering, uh, wanting to know what was going to be said next. Um, and it also, I think, shows their unification in that. They stood together. 
they wanted to uh, know what God said in order to worship Him. And this is a, a, a great example. I think it's one of the best examples of what worship should look like. It's the reading of the Word of God, but that's not it. Worship doesn't leave whenever the preacher sits down. That's not the end of worship. There should be more of a focus of that being worship, but we have the singers and the singing. There's also a response to the Word of God. And that's the reason why we kind of made this push to having the reading of Scripture at the very beginning so that we can sing in response to the reading of the Word of God. And it says that's exactly what they did here. Look in verse 6. And then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So a lot of things, a lot of responses going on here. There was verbal responses of uh, amen and amen. There was physical responses of raising of hands and also of being bowed low in a humble submission to what the Word of God is saying. And all that takes place when worship happens. Okay, When the Word of God is read and it convicts hearts, that's the responses that you will see. Um, and it says all the people responded. It wasn't just some, it wasn't just the men, but it was all. Um, and so saying amen, amen, that's kind of like saying, yes, we agree, this is the Word of God, this is the authority, this is the, uh, the Scriptures that proclaim who our God is. And so we don't have a lot of that uh, in our service. doesn't mean it's wrong by any means, uh, but it's okay if somebody does, okay? Uh, we shouldn't be like, oh, look at these people. They're wanting to be heard. No, they're just worshiping God in ways that was biblical, okay? So uh, we need a response. We used to do a lot of responsive reading, okay? And I think that's, there's a place for that in, in Scripture and worship too. Excuse me. So don't think, <clears throat> don't think, let me get out here early. Let me get, <coughs> make another drink. Um, guys, we may have to move on. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and go to verse 8 here. We'll try and get through this quick then. Uh, Nehemiah 8.8 8 says, They read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give sense so that they understood the reading. And that's the role of the, of the pastor or the preacher. It's not enough just uh, for some people to come up here and just read from uh, the Word of God, which I'll, I'll, I love. I know Joey was reading in a long text, and I think it was in 2 Samuel one time, and I just thought... Man, this is awesome. Just sitting here, just letting the Word of God just say what it says and letting it convict hearts. I love that in, in, in the service and at the very beginning whenever we're, uh, we do the Scripture reading. That's great. It's, I mean, it can work. If somebody just came up here and read from Scripture and went and sat down, we could worship because we had heard the Word of God. And we could, in response to that, worship and praise God for who He is. But we also have help. Uh, and here it is from 
the people, uh, some of those men, in verse 7, uh, they, when they read from the book, from the law of God, they would translate and help basically give understanding of what was being said. So it's not enough just to come up here and read from Scripture. If you don't know what it says, how's that going to help? How are you going to be able to respond to that? So we need a preacher uh, to explain it. And that's exactly what they should be doing. We should be up here just simply explaining what the Word of God says. We're not up here to give our opinion on it. Um, nobody should care what our opinion is on the Word of God. We have the Word of God, and it is our role as preachers and teachers to just simply explain what the Word of God says in ways that we can understand it. And so we see that happening here in uh, Nehemiah. And we also see uh, that the Levites were the ones uh, that continued to... Uh, carry out their role in explaining the Word of God. So these, all these uh, people that probably continued in Babylon or in exile also continued uh, their role once they came back into Jerusalem. Uh, they continued their roles there. Uh, and so it's just one of those things of we, don't, we can't really understand this because we've never been one in exile uh, or we've never been persecuted uh, you know, there's never been days where we couldn't come in here and worship freely. But you got to think, I, I would hope, uh, I know whenever um, I'm gone, I know Brother Joey being gone, he's going to be eager to get back in here and to worship with us next week. And so you would hope that if we were dispersed, not able to worship together, there would be that unity, that love to see each other come back in here and worship our God together, there would be that desire. And that's what we're seeing here, is these people have now been in exile, coming back, not only a love for the Word, but also the love for their brothers and sisters, uh, the Jewish community there. And that's all part of worship. You know, Joey, I think, has done a great job, and it's one of those things where you can't really uh, exhaust uh, what it means to worship. Uh, but there is a sense of unity in that, and there is a focus on the Word of God, and there is a response to that in the singing. And so that's what we're trying to, um, or I think what uh, the Word of God shows and what Joey's been trying to help explain to us uh, here recently. Um, you know, exegeting the passage, just sitting down and saying, all right, this is what it says. A lot of uh, people will say, well, that's, that's taking the easy way out. You're just simply explaining what you know, the verses say. What else do we need? Y'all don't need some fancy sermon for me to come up here and, and elicit some kind of emotion in you. That's what the, that's the Holy Spirit's going to do that through the preaching of the Word. You know, that's not my job as a preacher to come up here and, you know, get some rise out of you or to come up with some fancy series that's going to draw, you know, hundreds of people in here. It is simply the role of the preacher and the teacher to sit up here and explain the Word of God. And here, I think he does it just by unrolling the scroll, reading some portions of it. says, all right, this is what this means, guys. This is what God wants us to know based on His Word. And so, one, we have to have faithful men to do that, which we've seen here in, you know, with the Levites and uh, these other men that were actually named here. Um, it's got to happen. And they should have that same heart and desire that Ezra had where he just purposed it in his heart to study and to know the Word of God, 
to practice it and to uh, proclaim it to the people. Um, verse 9 says, uh, Nehemiah, then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, over um, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. These people come back into a finally a, a worship or a, you know, a, a, the community of the Jewish people come back and hear the word of God, the law taught, preached, and it brought them to repentance and weeping. That was the whole purpose of the word of God is to bring us to repentance and to bring us into a need for God. God not only shows us you know, who He is, but He also shows us our need for Him in the Word of God. That's the whole purpose of the, the Ten Commandments that we hold to so much. It wasn't so that they could get it right. It's to show them that they couldn't get it right and that they were in need of a Savior. They were in need of that one sacrifice that was going to take away the sins of the world because none of them could live up to the Ten Commandments. And so that's where they're at here. Just the Word of God brought them into uh, weeping. Um, and there's two reasons here um, for rejoicing. You know, it says, you know, um, the day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. And so they're looking to say, hey, there's no need in being in this state. Yes, the law of God reveals you who you actually are. But guess what? This is the day of the Lord. And this is during um, a f festival time. And that's what they're trying to get to here. It's like, hey, this is the festival trumpets. We should be, we're to be a joyous people here. So yes, respond, repent, but yet you can still walk away here joyous because of who God is and the way he's laid this out for us. Um, so we have the, uh, the, the people repented. That was one reason uh, why they should be rejoicing. Uh, and they should also be rejoicing because of the time it was in the life of the people. Um, a similar reaction uh, to this has also happened in uh, 2 Kings uh, with Josiah. We also saw the weeping of people there. And so we know based on this that the Word of God is enough to bring about repentance. It is enough to bring about reconciliation. Luckily for us, we've got the Holy Spirit that can reveal to us uh, the things that are fuzzy or things that we don't really understand. Uh, but the Word of God is sufficient. It is enough. Uh, just like Christ is enough. The Word of God is sufficient for us to know who God is and also see our need for Him. And that's what we do. That's the, that's the whole purpose of us getting up here and proclaiming the Word of God. It's just to help reveal who God is and our need for Him. There's nothing else. There's no, I guarantee you, Joey does not get up here for any type of applause or any type of, of praise. There's none of that. The only praise that should be done is because of who God is. And He tells us who He is in His Word. And that's the reason why I think Joey faithfully stands here and proclaims the Word of God. So we see this as... Uh, a work of God because we see the repentance and that He works through His Word. Um, look in verse 10. It says, 
Then he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him uh, who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So he tells them again, listen, cheer up, go, eat, provide for those that don't have, but don't be mournful, be joyous. We are a people, not only should be uh, people of, uh, that fear God or people of the book, but we should also be a joyous people. We're the only people that knows of Christ and His work of salvation. Muslims don't have that. They don't understand. The Jewish people today don't understand that Christ is the Messiah. And you look at us and we say, I don't know. You say, well, it's hard to be happy all the time. And that's, you know, there's always a time to weep and all that. But when we sit back and look at things, we really got it good. One, we've got the Word of God in our own language that we can understand. A lot of people around the world don't have that. You know, as much of an information age as we've got right now, there's still people on this earth that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. No clue. And therefore, we should be a joyous people because we do have it. Probably several copies of it at our house in our own language. Um, so there is a reason to be happy and joyful. Um, skip down. We'll, um, let's look at... Um, Verse, not, uh, verse 13 right quick. This is one of the things I kind of wanted to, uh, I wanted to go heavy on this part, but because of Joey being in uh, the corporate worship mindset, I didn't want to go too hard into this, but I've got to mention it. It says, Then on the second day, the heads of fathers' households of all the people, the priests and Levites, were gathered to Ezra and the scribes, uh, the scribe, that they might gain insight into the words of the law. Kind of sounds a little bit like a revival's taking place. Okay? And I know here we just host revivals like it's nothing. We get some preacher in here, he's going to preach, and some singers that are going to come in here. That's not our work. Here, it was the Word of God that was driving these men to come back the next day and want to know more about God. And that's where revival truly takes place. It comes from the Word of God. It's a work of the Spirit in our hearts and lives. And like I mentioned earlier, fathers, it is our role. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If we love God, if we proclaim Christ, it's our role to know the Word of God and be able to teach it to our, our kids and our family. And uh, you can actually see that this didn't just happen once. Um, if you look in um, 9, it happens again. Um, verse 3, it says, While they stood in their place, they read from the book of the law of the Lord uh, their God for a fourth of the day, and for another fourth, they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. That's revival taking place. Repentance happening. And it all comes from the authority of God's Scripture. 
So this morning, I just hope and pray that even uh, those of you that are in the Word of God every day, I pray that there's even greater desire to know our great God and to really not sit there and go, well, I need to do 30 minutes of Bible reading. No, I want you to just get lost in the Word of God. I mean, we have a copy of the Word, the very same words that created all the universe in our hands, on our phones. We have access to it pretty much any time we want. And I hope that we have a, a greater desire uh, to know it, and not only just to know it, but to respond to it, to have it change us. And that is, I think, the, um, the worship that happens. is It's not simply, we're not here for ourselves, but there's a great benefit to it. We're here to worship God Almighty, but we've got a great benefit of God allowing that time to, to change us if we'll have a humble heart. Let's pray.